0: He is risen. He is risen indeed, yes. We're, we're gathered today because we want to celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive. He is risen indeed. My name is Trent. I'm the pastor here at Zion, and I want to welcome you uh, this morning to our Easter 2023 gathering. Uh, if you're a guest this morning, welcome. We're glad you're here. If you're family uh, visiting from out of town, welcome, welcome. Hopefully, uh, you have a nice stay here in our community And uh, we just want you to know that we are super excited to have you with us. If you're here today, uh, no matter where you're at on your faith journey, uh, whether you would consider yourself a follower of Jesus, uh, a used-to-be follower of Jesus, uh, I'm trying to figure out even if I believe in Jesus person, it doesn't matter. We're glad that you're here and hope that today uh, we can encourage you to take a step on your faith journey, wherever that faith journey has been, and whatever the faith journey will continue to look like for you, uh, we hope to help you take a step in that journey. Uh, today is Easter, and all, all around the country, all around the world, uh, pastors have stood before congregations in hopes that when they leave the gathering, they would leave convinced that Jesus is alive and that that reality would then impact the hearer's lives. And, and I'm like all of those pastors. My prayer for you is very simple. I'll tell you what it is. Is that you'll leave convinced that Jesus makes life better. And that he and he alone has the ability to make you better at this thing called life. And the way that I'm going to do it this morning is I'm going to start with a picture. This picture, I pray, helps to convince you that Jesus is worth following. Let's take a look at that. Not that picture, the next one. You say, well, how, how does that picture, how is it going to help me today begin to live life differently. Well, anybody know what this picture is called? I've got an art teacher in the back. Mrs. Nemele. There you go. And the style that the, art, the artists use is called what? Pointillism. Pointillism. Pointillism is an is a artistic technique that uses a series of dots. And it's used to help uh, illuminate, it's, help, it's used to help with the brilliance of a picture. And so, if you were to get really, 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 really super close to that picture, you would see that it is simply dots of color, and dots of color, and dots of color, and dots of color. And it took about two years for uh, the artist George Sur- Surratt? Surratt. Uh, to to do this. Um, but this kind of gave birth to this new artistic expression called pointillism. And, and, and what happens is when you step back, it kind of blends the colors in so that the viewer can see what is intended. But again, if you got closer and closer and closer to the painting, it would be harder for us to see the whole picture. And you say, well, what does that have to do with Easter? Well, Easter, Resurrection Sunday, really is just one dot in history. It is a point in time in history. But for followers of Jesus, we believe that it is the most significant, most important dot, the most important day in the history of humanity. And so what happens is 2,000 years later, all kinds of dots have been filled in right and we pull back and it's easy for us to forget that as followers of Jesus it all started with a moment it all started with a dot see 2000 years later it's hard to connect the dots we look at our life today we look at the world today and what we see can cause us to forget about this moment we we see today a life We see a world that is filled with all kinds of conflict. We see family and loved ones who are experiencing all kinds of sickness. We experience tension at work. We experience tensions at home. We have ongoing problems that we deal with each and every day. We experience tragedies, even this morning in our community, a a tragedy in downtown, right? And how sad, and we're we're praying for for all of those uh, that are involved. And, and, and it's easy, if we're not careful, to lose sight that everything that happens in life is still ultimately connected. And the reason why followers of Jesus can sing today is because we believe that everything can be traced back to the resurrection. This morning, I'm not gonna use dots to convince you. I'm gonna use some circles. I, I want us to pull back a little bit and kind of look at the big picture and see why. Why things are the way they are. And, and I want us to see ultimately why millions of people today are celebrating. I want us to see the connection. Because again, like I said, as a pastor, I want to be up front. I want you to believe, I want you to leave believing in the resurrection of Jesus. Not, not just as an event in history but as the moment that has the potential to change your life. At Zion, one of the things that we've said time and time again over the years is is this statement, and it's not original with me, but it goes like this. Anyone who can predict their own death and burial and resurrection and pull it off, we say we should just go ahead and follow that guy. Just follow that guy. And, and so we believe that Jesus did that. And so here in our community of faith, we, we simply try to encourage and challenge one another to follow him. Because that's what Jesus' invitation ultimately was. It wasn't just to believe something. Oh, that's a starting point. But to actually do something. And to do something that Jesus invites us into is a life of following him. And so today, I'm going to take a step further. If today you make the decision to follow him, we will celebrate that. We will be excited for you. We'll be excited to come alongside of you and, and help you on that journey of faith. But also at the end of our gathering today, we have some other friends who've made a decision to follow Jesus previously today. And they're going to publicly acknowledge the fact that they're following Jesus by being baptized. And perhaps, 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 Even this morning, someone in this room who came today not thinking about following Jesus by being baptized says, you know what? It's time for me to take that step in my life. So where do we start? Where do these circles begin? Well, every story has a beginning. Every painting has its first stroke. And so the first stroke that we want to look at is the reality that God had a design for this world. Everything started there. For followers of Jesus, we understand that that everything exists because there was a creator. There was a designer. Someone was and is behind everything that we see happening in this world. And in this world, nothing happens on accident. God is a designer. And in Genesis 1 and 2, we see the kind of world that God designed. And we're not going to take time to read Genesis 1 and 2. But but God had a design and has a design for every part of our lives. He has a design for our family life. He, He said to our parents, Adam and Eve, to be fruitful and multiply. He has a design for our work lives. He said that, that, that humanity, that we would have dominion and that we would work the earth. God has a design for how we go about doing our work. He has a design for our marriages. He says that we are to leave and cleave to one another. He, he has a design, and this, this should be good news to some of you because some of you are extremely stressed out, emotionally, physically Mentally, did you know that God has and had and still has a design for our mental, emotional, and physical uh, health? Do you know what it's called? Rest. Right. M- remember that one. The the, the the keep the Sabbath. How many of you learned the Ten Commandments? Right. That that's by design. God God designed us to to need rest, and He gave it to us. As a gift, and some of you will walk out of here and say it was worth it just to hear that because doggone it, I am tired, I'm stressed out mentally, emotionally, physically. I need to practice God's design and carve out some time to rest. That's probably worth some of you being here today. Right? But God had a design for every single part of our lives. He had a design for connecting with him. That's why he made us. He made us for relationship. And again, if you read the Genesis account, you'll, you can read where Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. There was a, this perfect connection that humanity had with their, their creator God and that is exactly what God intended. It was what he designed. But within that design... God also left room for humanity to choose. To choose love or to reject love. He created us with the capacity to love and obey him, but he also created us with the capacity to choose not to. And that choice was designed into an illustration, into a, into a picture. And it's this picture up here of a tree. God created a world where there was one rule. How would you like to live in a world with one rule? That's it. Like, that would be kind of sweet. You could do whatever you want except this one thing. That was God's design. That's how he made the world. He placed inside the garden a tree, and he said, listen, you can eat from any tree in this garden that you want, just not this one. And he, did it. he didn't do it to be mean or to be cruel. He did it to leave humanity a choice. Choose to follow the Father's will, choose to obey his directive or not. And the fact that he gave us a choice demonstrates actually his love for us. And those of you who grew up in church and know anything about the the origin story of humanity know what humanity's choice ultimately was. It was to choose to go their own way. Genesis 3 tells the story of Adam and Eve choosing to follow the the serpent's words. And in that moment, in that moment, sin entered the world. And the Bible has a word for departing from God's design. And that is the word sin. And the, the word sin actually means missing the mark. It's an archery term. And it literally means to miss the mark. And I don't think I need to convince you or me or anybody that humanity continues to miss the mark every single day. You miss the mark, and you miss the mark, and you miss the mark, and I miss the mark. We all miss the mark. And the Bible has much to say about the fact that we all miss the mark. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6 says that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his or her own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And who is the him in 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 that passage? It's Jesus. And when did the Lord lay on Jesus the sin, the iniquity of us all? On the cross. We remembered a couple of days ago, Good Friday, Christ's death, his sacrifice. And, And we want to remind ourselves, or maybe you've never heard this before, but the reason why Jesus had to die, the reason why there was a cross is because of sin your sin and mine. Romans 3:23 reminds us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. Which leads us to another 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 picture. See, when we stray from God's design, this is what it looks like. Sin. And this is what happened to humanity. But sin leads somewhere. Sin sin doesn't just Happen in a vacuum. It it has consequences, and what sin did for all of humanity is it led humanity to a place of brokenness. It led to a place of brokenness. Things go bad when you stray from the design, and and would anybody? Not that I would think you would do this in this moment, but I don't think anybody would try to argue that humanity is broken. that you would have a hard time making a case for the fact that humanity isn't broken. And so for thousands of years, humanity, this world, has existed in brokenness. Things are really bad. And I don't have to convince you. Consider a few of these stats, though. On any given day, 428,000 children are in foster care in the U.S. And in 2020, 670,000 children spent time in foster care. An estimated 20 million people in the U.S. suffer from some kind of an addiction. 3,000 violent crimes are reported daily in the United States. The truth of the matter is we can say it this way. We are a Humpty Dumpty nation, right? We're a Humpty Dumpty nation, and we live in a Humpty Dumpty world, a world of famines, a world of wars, a world of poverty. And here's what happens, we try to put the pieces together. And it's commendable what so many people do, right? We try to put the pieces together. We teach values in schools, which is a good thing. We try to fix the healthcare system, which is a good thing. We create program after program to try to make the world, make life better. We study what's happening in the prison systems and try to create ways to to keep them from returning again and again and again. See really smart people are trying to fix the brokenness. Really wealthy people are trying to spend money to fix the brokenness. Really powerful people, politicians, are trying to legislate us out of brokenness. But again, let's look around. Nothing has worked. Nothing will work. But that's the brokenness out there, right? You you can lean in, yeah, I see that brokenness, yeah, you're right, you're right, Trent. But let's, let's bring it a little bit closer to home. Let's think about the brokenness in our own lives. See, I'm convinced that we all know that we are broken. And for some of us, we have tried for years, some for decades, to try to fix our own brokenness. Well, we've tried any number of ways to move away from the brokenness, and it looks something like this. In our brokenness, we try to do our own thing. Well, We still try to figure out what to do. Some of us choose to ignore our brokenness. I'm just not gonna think about it. Others, we medicate our brokenness. Others, we try to get so busy that we don't have time to worry about our own brokenness. We, we overcompensate to try to improve ourselves in hopes that the brokenness will go away. But you're smart. You're smart. Y- if you're honest with yourself, you, you, you would have to say that none of it has ever worked. Everything in my life that I've ever tried to do to fix my own brokenness has led me to more brokenness. (laughs) And right about now, you're nudging the person that invited you to church, and you're like, boy, this is real pick me up today. Thanks for inviting me to church. What a bummer that guy is. And if I sent you home today, (laughs) right there, you would have every right to walk out going like, I'm not going back to that church. He just makes me feel sad and, and bad and I feel awful. Right? Well, the good news is it's not done yet. All right? But we need, to, we need to be able to confront this part before we get to the good stuff. Before we get to the good news, we have to understand our unbrokenness. See, our brokenness, if we're not careful, leaves us with this, this sense of disconnection with God that, 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 excuse me, leads us to despair, can lead us to depression, can, can lead us to places that we don't want to ever admit that we can go. And I think some of us, if we're honest today, when it comes to God, You feel the disconnect because of your brokenness, and it's left you feeling one of three ways. Number one, you feel fearful when you think of God. When you think of God, you're always like, he's gonna get me. And every time something bad happens, you're like, there goes God again. He's mad at me. He's doing this to me again and again and again. And you, you live in fear of God. Well, again, let me just explain to you that that's not God. God doesn't want you to live in fear For some, your disconnect has left you when it comes to thinking about God living in shame. Some of you are here today, and and, and because of the shame, you think to yourself, you know, after all that I've done, how could God possibly love me? After all I've done, how could God possibly love me? For some, it's guilt. After all I've done, some would say, how could God possibly forgive me? See, this picture though this picture is absolutely 100% accurate, again, if we pull back and see the big picture, this is humanity. God had a design, we sinned, it led to brokenness, and humanity does everything possible to fix the brokenness. But nothing worked until Jesus came. Until Jesus came and he became the remedy. See, the resurrection is ultimately the remedy for the brokenness that we experience in life. It is our way out of brokenness. Let's see that next picture of the gospel. The gospel, the good news. What is the gospel? Very simply, it's the the good news that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried And three days later, he rose again from the dead. The Apostle Paul wrote about uh, this moment when he wrote a letter to a church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he said this. He said, now I would remind you. He's talking to a group of believers, men and women who were already convinced of the gospel. He says, I would remind you. Why do they need to be reminded of the gospel? Because we're forgetful people are forgetful. He said, but I would rem- remind you, brothers, of the gospel, of the good news that I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you unless you believed in vain. And then listen to this. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. First importance, the gospel is what matters most for believers. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. This is why we gather. This is what followers of Jesus believe. That he set himself, upon a cross, allowed himself to be beaten and bloodied and killed to pay for our sins. But he proved who he was, the son of God, three days later when he rose from the grave. And that is what makes a difference for all of us who've chosen to follow Christ. But here's something about the gospel. Let's go back to that slide with just the gospel for a minute. That Jesus lived and he died and he was buried and he rose again is a fact. That's the gospel. But the, the fact of the gospel is not enough. This is where now it gets very personal. The, the personal aspect is this. We have to act in response to the gospel. And, and what, does, what does that mean? Well, two words, repent and believe. Repent and believe. And when you hear that word repent, depending on your background, your church background, you might have in your mind somebody standing on a street corner yelling at the top of their lungs with a long beard, repent, repent, repent. Repent is a Bible word that we don't use very much, but the word simply means to make a U-turn. That's what repent means. It means I'm going in a certain direction. I realize that I'm going in the wrong direction. I'm going to choose to repent, do a 180, and go in another direction. And when it comes to the gospel, that's what the gospel ought to lead everyone to do. When we see Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we should be able to say, you know what? I've been doing the wrong thing to fix my brokenness. I've been chasing comfort, I've been chasing pleasure, I've been chasing popularity, I've been chasing money, I've been doing all this stuff and I still feel broken, but no longer will I chase those things. I'm going to repent because now I believe the gospel. I believe that Jesus lived, that he died and he was buried and he rose again and and that might say, well what does that mean to believe? Believing is more than just a, a, a mental ascension, a, a, a mental acknowledgement of the fact. Biblical belief has much more to do with trust, faith. It might look something like this. Walk in the tightrope. Do you think that guy has some faith? Do you think he has trust in the, in the wire? Absolutely. Forget about the fact that he's connected there. It still takes the illustration breaks down. Every illustration breaks down at some point. But to stick with me, all right? He's got faith in that wire that it's going to hold him up. And, and, and I don't know how to explain it, but for every follower of Jesus, there had to be that moment in time where they, they shifted their weight. And instead of putting their faith in themselves, instead of trusting in their own good works, good deeds, good ideas their best moments, they said, you know what, none of that matters because I'm still broken. And instead of trusting in me, I'm gonna put my faith, I'm gonna trust in him, I'm gonna shift my weight completely onto the gospel, the good news that Jesus lived, died, and was buried and rose again. That moment, repent and believe, has had to happen for everyone who follows Jesus because that's how you become a follower of Jesus, through turning and believing in the good news. But that's not the end of the story. There's something that happens once we believe. See, see God, once we begin to follow him, once we put our hope in him, he invites us for the rest of our life to begin to recover and pursue his original design. See, that, that, that arrow that points up to God's design is the life that every follower of Jesus begins to live. We, we begin to say, you know what? God, you have a design for all of my relationships. I'm going to pursue that design. God, you have a design for what I do with my time. I'm gonna pursue, I'm gonna chase after, I'm gonna try to recover your original design for my time. You have a design for for what I do with my thoughts. You have a design for for what I do with my hands. You have a a design for what I do with every square inch of my being. You have a design. And for the rest of my life, as your follower, I'm gonna, by your grace and for your glory, I'm gonna begin to pursue that design. That's where a lot of us are at in this room. We're chasing after. We're trying to figure out how to, how to live according to his design. But you know what happens as we chase after his design? Anybody have a guess? We sin again. And, and as followers of Jesus, as we chase God's design inevitably, we're still going to mess up, which leads to brokenness. And then in our brokenness, we have to decide, am I going to chase after my own means to fix my brokenness, or am I going to repent again, turn again, believe again, trust again in the good news of the resurrection? You see, the resurrection, the gospel, is not a one-time moment. It's not something that we do and then we move on from it. We believe the gospel, and then we live in the gospel because it's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus His resurrection for our sins that helps us when our world is falling apart, when our life is falling apart, when our marriage is falling apart, when our finances are falling apart, when our health is falling apart, when our kids are falling apart, when everything in life feels broken. We go back to the cross, we go back to Jesus, and we say, Jesus, I'm trusting in you. I'm putting my hope in you. I'm believing in this good news. That's why the circles are created this way. Because we never move on from this picture in our life. We never move on from this picture. But for those of you who've never yet believed the gospel, You've never yet put your hope and faith in Jesus Christ. I want to tell you some things that happen when you do that for the first time. When you ultimately decide to be a follower of Jesus and you put your hope and your faith in him alone, he removes the heart of stone that has kept you from him and he gives you a new heart. Not a physical heart, but a a spiritual heart one that is soft and tender and open to him and his will and his ways in your life. When you repent and believe the gospel, he sends his spirit to live inside of you. The Holy Spirit. You've heard of the Trinity, right? Father, Son, and Spirit. The moment that you believe the gospel, his spirit, God, comes to take up his dwelling inside of you. Now that sounds kind of like kind of weird and kind of m- mystical, but it's biblical. And somehow, some way, those of us who have put our faith in Christ, we have his spirit living in us every moment. He restores us back into a relationship with our Heavenly Father. That happens when we put our hope in him. That disconnect that we feel from our creator, from the designer, is restored when we put our hope in Christ. He forgives our sins. He gives our life meaning. And ultimately, he gives us an eternity with him. Oh, if I could, I would beg you, I would beg you to leave here believing the gospel, believing in the resurrection, believing in the hope that millions of people have been finding for the last 2,000 years but it's not my job to beg you. See, I, I put my hope and my faith in something bigger, something better, his spirit. And so even as I'm, as I'm talking, as I'm communicating with you today, here's what I believe and here's how I pray, is that somehow God would visit all of us in a very real but very individualized way because that's who God is and that God would impress on everyone's heart where you're at when it comes to these circles. And beyond that, what you need to do as you leave here today. And so in my mind, let me ask you, not in my mind, let me ask you, where are you at? at? And what that looks like in my mind is I've added a little bit to these three circles, and I just want to ask you some questions. The first one is this. I want to ask you, are you still here? Are you still in your brokenness? You came through the doors not knowing Christ, not having a relationship with him, having never put your hope completely in him. If if this is where you're at, thank you for acknowledging that, at least in your mind and in your heart. But I want to encourage you. You don't have to leave here in your brokenness. You can leave here having put your faith, putting your hope in the gospel, in Jesus Christ. And I pray today that you would. Maybe that's where you're at is that next place. As you're ready to believe, go ahead, hit that next one. I'm ready for this. And if that's where you're at, I'm ready for this, we're gonna help you take that step in just a minute. But then there are others who on that recover and pursue piece, you'd have to say, you know what, Trent, doggone it, here I am again. Another year, another Easter Sunday, a day, man, we should be celebrating. A day that, that we should be excited. I, as a follower of Jesus, I ought to be excited. But honestly, I come in, I'm like, I, feel, I still feel this heaviness. And maybe you're here because, if you're honest, the gospel is where you stopped. You were content with believing that Jesus lived, died, and was buried and rose again. You put your faith in Jesus, and now you're just skipping your way to heaven. Glad that you're glad that you have an eternity with Him. But if you're honest, you'd say, I've not been chasing after God's design. Even as a follower of Jesus, I've been pursuing my own design for my life, my finances, my relationships, my priorities, my fill-in the blank. I've still been doing my own thing. And, and, and Trent, the truth is, I still see myself over in brokenness a whole bunch. Well, listen. The good news for you, once again, is simply to repent, recognize it, believe the gospel, trust in him, and say, okay, I need to begin to pursue God's design in my life. See, I believe there's a lot of us who are following Jesus who are casual in our walk with him. And the one thing that you can't be is casually committed to following Jesus. Because Jesus never invited a casual journey. He said, follow me. Take up your cross. Lay down your life. Follow me. And some of us, even as followers of Jesus, need to wrestle with what that means in my life, what that needs to look like in my life. So, what are we going to do? Well, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up And then I'm going to invite those who have made the decision to be baptized to sneak out and go get ready. And I'm going to talk about baptism in just a minute. But I'd like the rest of us to do this. To grab the communication card that should be in the seat in front of you. Just grab it, take it out, and hold it. Hold in your hands. And... If you're willing to communicate with me where you're at and what decision you need to make, I would commit to praying for you, to coming alongside of you, to helping you in your journey of faith. And so, what we're going to do is we're going to sing a song, then I'm going to come back up and we're going to do the baptisms. But during the song, If you'd be willing to put your name on the front and then on the back, just give me a a, a short little blurb. This is where I'm at, Trent. Let me know so we can pray for you and maybe grab a cup of coffee or connect you with somebody. I want to help you. I really do. Beyond this day, beyond this moment. And then I'll tell you what to do with the card. But if you're here today and you're not following Jesus yet, I want to help you specifically. How do you start a relationship with Jesus? How do you first repent and believe? Well, there's not a a magic formula, there's not a, a special prayer, but for millions of people who have started following Jesus, it started by praying. It started by saying something like this to God Dear God, again, going back to those circles, I know that I'm a sinner and that I'm broken. I believe, Jesus, that you died and was buried and you rose again. I believe that. That's the point that, that's, that's the starting point, right? I believe that you died and was buried and you rose again. And today, Jesus, the best that I know how, I'm putting my faith in you. I'm putting my trust in you. I'm putting my hope in you. Come into my life. Help me to become a follower of you so that I can pursue your design. And if that's where you're at in life, then I encourage you, while we sing, you just bow your head and you pray something like that. Pray it to God between you and him. It's be a great starting point for some today. Father, we love you, and we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. And I pray, God, that you would be with those who today are making decisions and need to make decisions. I pray that they would have the courage to at least articulate where it is that they're at and the step that they need to take. Father, uh, again, be pleased as we continue to sing to you, about you, for you. In your name we pray, amen. Let's sing together.